Borg Warner is a century-old auto supplier that always specialized in technology for ICEs. Now it's repositioning itself to be a significant supplier in propulsion electrification. Fred Lasalde, the CEO of the company, discusses BorgWarner's strategy for stepping into the new world. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. Today, the conversation is all about how do you take a traditional supplier company, one with deep roots into the last century, and get it ready for the whole new century and the move to electrification. The reason we're holding that discussion today is our special guest is Fred LaSalle, the CEO of the supplier company Borg Warner. And Fred, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. I'm happy to be here, John. And uh, I should also mention David Welch from Bloomberg is also with us for this discussion. David, always good to have you here. Thanks, John. Great to be here as always. So, Fred, let's talk about that. Uh, Borg Warner is a company that can trace its roots back well over 100 years ago. Correct. Now we're in this move to electrification. It must be a delicate balance, though, because it's not as if the piston engine is going away anytime right soon. But at the same time, you've got to be ready for the move to electrification. Tell us a little bit about right. what you're trying to do here. We're doing everything at the same time. We're managing the present. And electrification is happening now here and now, and also we are managing the future with you know, future technology on battery electric cars. What we've done over the past years is actually move the company from a pure combustion-based company to a company that is now balanced and even overweight uh, between combustion hybrid electric and overweight hybrid electric. We've done that with a lot of attention to product leadership, to our in-house innovation, and also some very smart M&A that we've done over the past years, which have enabled us to accelerate towards uh, electrification. We are embracing electrification. Actually, electrification accelerates the opportunity for Borgwon that's going forward as far as growth is concerned. So we are very happy where we are. We still have a lot of work to do. And we're growing as well as our customers do grow in the road of electrification. It's, it's, it's great to, uh, to be working for this company, especially in this time of change. It's extremely exciting. How do you manage that? I mean, you're, you're going to be making systems for electric vehicles, mm -hmm. and no one really knows what the volumes are going to be for mm -hmm. these vehicles, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of them coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always wondered how people supply Tesla not really knowing what the volumes are going to be. Mm -hmm. but now you're going to have all of these EVs coming out from the German car makers, GM, 20 of them by 20, uh, 2023. China. Um, yeah, China, big market for them, and mm -hmm. a lot of EVs mm -hmm. already out there and more coming. Mm -hmm. uh, the consumers aren't still, really still aren't begging for these yet. Mm -hmm. So how do you forecast volumes? How do, how do you know what to tool up so, your plans for? So it's a great question, and you don't know, I don't know, and John doesn't know. And that's one of the reasons why I would say about five years ago, as a strategy board under the leadership of James Verrier, who was my predecessor as CEO, we were discussing that topic for hours until a point where we said, we have to stop having to discuss that topic. And that how came the strategy of being agnostic to combustion, hybrid, and electric. So right now, we've positioned the company for it to be in 2023, our revenue in combustion is going to be pretty much mirroring the volume of combustion in the end market. Our revenue in hybrid is going to be the same or a bit more because we're slightly overweight hybrid. 
So about 26% of our revenue is going to be hybrid in 2023. About 24% of the market is going to be hybrid. And about 5% of our revenue is going to be electric when the, when, the, when the market, the volume is going to be 5% electric vehicle in 2023. Well, if one goes faster, then we're just going to follow, right? It's, it's, a bit of, it's a bit of a edging, right? So we're very, very global from a regional standpoint. There is no car makers that we don't deliver. Um, we are very balanced along those lines, and we are executing a strategy of being very, very balanced within that sector of propulsion. That's all we do. We're moving wheels. We are pure play in propulsion. But within that sector, we're very, very wide and broad, and we are agnostic to the speed at which the change are going to come. Do you have factories that can make electric propulsion systems? and internal combustion propulsion systems, so you don't really care what anybody is ordering? We have, for example, the, purchase, the, the acquisition of Remy, who's doing, or still doing, starter and alternators. We've slowly but surely migrating them from a product engineering standpoint, manufacturing engineering standpoint, from making starter and alternators to making electric drive motors. An battery electric vehicle transmission is not too different than a one-speed transfer case, right? So it's pretty much the same. So for us, it's not a revolution. It's a smart evolution of what we do and how we do it. So it's not like you have a bunch of sunk capital stuck in internal combustion we're plants that will... We're certainly trying to avoid it. Now, um, there are some products that don't translate from combustion to electric, right? Uh, and th that we have, we don't need all those products to translate into electric, because if you look at, for example, the take rate of turbochargers, we're very big in turbochargers. Actually, hybrid propulsion architectures are going to use more and more turbochargers going forward. Right, the current equipment rate of a, of, of hybrid propulsion architectures of turbo is about 25 percent. It's going to go to 70 percent in the next year. So. Uh, you know, overall, if you look at the overall market, the planet will produce this year maybe 96 million cars and is planned to produce about 106, 107 million cars in 2023. Out of which, about 103 or 102 million will still carry, on, will still carry a combustion engine. Fred, what's your sense or what's Borg Warner's sense of when a tipping point may occur? Uh, the, the people that I talk to in the industry think that maybe electric car sales will start to pick up uh, a bit more around 2025 as market acceptance grows. Maybe 2028, 2030 is when they see it really starting to pick up. Of course, it's going to vary about, uh, by region. Yes. Who has the most incentives? So China, it's going to go great because China has yes. great. California, yes. Norway, maybe yeah. those will grow much faster. But yeah. what's your sense of this tipping point? I don't know if there is a tipping point. Um, I think that uh, electrification trend is here and here to stay. And we at Borgwana are embracing it. It's actually, we've positioned the company so that the content, the average content per vehicle is higher on electric cars. That it is on that it is on hybrid, that it is on combustion about about uh, significantly. So when when electric cars and electrification accelerates, we're going to accelerate with. It's tough to figure out 
when and, and how fast, right? Thus, the strategy of, of, of being agnostic and supporting, supporting all, all proportional architectures for, 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 the for the future. There is a lot still of technology and innovation in making combustion engines extremely robust, lean, and smaller. And, uh, and I think it's still very, very important um, in, in all regions of the world because we will still have some combustion engines and hybrid propulsion architectures will have a combustion engine which is going to be extremely lean, extremely um, uh, efficient, and, uh, and, uh, and we're working a lot on, on these two. Mm -hmm. Is there a point at which that extremely lean, efficient combustion engine, that car, is equal to or less profitable than a, uh, an electric vehicle, a pure battery electric? Um, I mean, you know, that's the point at which I think manufacturers really start pushing EVs because yeah, you, 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 you have diminishing to, returns on in terms of profitability on making IC engine vehicles. Yeah, it's it's a very good question. It's 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 a it's a question of of relative volume across the technologies, but also you know in Europe, uh, you will have a 1.2 liter. Uh, turbo charge with variable t t turbine geometry and other uh, things that we do in a gasoline engine that will propel a car that has the size of a Passat, for example. So the extreme downsizing allows um, the car makers to still use propulsion architectures based on either pure combustion or hybrid. And, and, and all the technologies that we bring at Borgwander that makes the engine smaller, leaner, and allows our customers to downsize the engine is still going to be, I think, playing a key role in the world in many, many years to come. Yeah, you know, if you look at Formula One engines, they have more than 50% efficiency, significantly more than today's mass production engines. It's just a matter of cost, but as we've seen in motor racing, yes. over time the cost does come down. Absolutely. So to, to your point, there is a lot of room for the internal combustion engine to improve. And a lot of room for hybrids and battery electric vehicles to improve too. The focus is, I've, never, I've been in the auto space 31 years and I've been with Borg Warner 20 years. I've never seen that pace of innovation. This is really exciting for us. I've never seen that excitement about about this technology uh, challenge. It's, it's a great place to be. I imagine, too, that pure battery electrics offer more business opportunity for you. Yes. Borg-Warner has done this very interesting integrated EV powertrain. Yes. Where you've got the power electronics, the electric motor, and uh, the transmission or the gear reduction unit. Absolutely. One whole unit. And yes. You yes. don't have that kind of content with today's internal combustion engine. Absolutely. That's why battery electric vehicle accelerates the, 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 the top line for us. And if you look at what you need to move a battery electric vehicle downstream the battery, you need a transmission. We've done that for many, many years. Uh, you need a, a drive motor, and we, we, we're doing that, right? We are in production. We're actually in production with transmission and motor for battery electric vehicle. And you know, you need a motor controller. That's what we're doing, too. And the acquisition of Zefcon was absolutely laser-focused into motor controller. Who else in the world does those three elements that propel battery electric vehicle? Not, not many. And we're not only designing it or buying components. We're actually making those three. We're making transmission, we're making motor, we're making power electronics. So with making it, 
we understand and we're smarter uh, than, than, uh, than most, of, most of the players in designing a system because we understand all the interfaces, we understand all the cost levers, we make those components. So I think it's, we, we're going to be able to position the company really well for the, for the next wave of battery electric vehicle, which will require those uh, cost-effective, very compact uh, systems to move battery electric vehicle wheels. Of course, today, most automakers make all their engines. They typically make most of their transmissions. Yes. They buy a few. You're saying, here, we'll give you the entire powertrain uh, as a module. Absolutely. Will they do that? Will they turn to suppliers like you and some of the others, or are, at some point do you think they'll take that in-house? Yeah. So when we, when we travel around the world and we meet car makers and, 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 you know, and, and discuss this topic with them, and we're so wide into propulsion that they take us uh, uh, into, into strategy discussion. About a third of the people around the world saying, I'm going to make it. About a third are saying, you're going to make it, or somebody else is going to make it. And about a third saying, well, I might make some, but, but not maybe to understand better how to buy uh, the system later, but I'm not sure. So our hypothesis is that to start with, and again, it's difficult to forecast, right? About 50% of the people, 50% of, of the market, is going to be captive and the other 50 is going to be available to us, okay? So that's huge business And it's still, it's still an enormous amount of business. And, and, uh, and it's all going to be as usual, as you know, John, it's all going to be around product leadership. Some people think that with a battery electric vehicle, you don't need fuel efficiency. It's true, you're not burning fuel and you're not emitting emission, but you still need a lot of efficiency. You need to have a very efficient transmission with no noise, right? You need to have a very efficient motor. You need to have a great motor controller because efficiency is scarce and the size of the battery needs to be as small as possible. And also because you have those other trends like autonomous vehicle and, and connected cars that do not come without taking energy from the battery, right? So it puts even more pressure into uh, suppliers like Borg Warner to really focus on the efficiency of the whole powertrain uh, in, in a battery electric vehicle car or in a hybrid powertrain. Do you, what do you think really, maybe there's not a tipping point for EVs, but what gets the consumer, the end consumer, uh, to really buy these cars? Do they need to see charging stations all over the place to feel comfortable buying an EV and really accelerating that market? I think, um, I think it's all about the total cost of ownership and also the total cost of going from point A to point B. People are very smart, right? And the purpose of a vehicle is still to move somebody from point A or something to point, from point A to point B, and people care on how they're going to go from point A to point B. They want to go there without too many stops. They, for sure, range anxiety is something that uh, exists with battery electric vehicle cars doesn't exist with hybrids. Uh, it's also, it also depends where the car is located. If the car is located downtown Beijing and it's the second car, you might not have those constraints. So I think the answer is, is, is complex. Uh, and battery electric vehicle and hybrid powertrains are going to accelerate. That, that I think there is no way backwards. Let's talk about uh, Borg Warner's uh, from a business standpoint mm -hmm. for a little bit. Uh, 
your stock over the last year was up and down, but mostly down, trended mm -hmm. all the way down. And then at the end of the first quarter, all of a sudden it took a really nice turn upwards. Mm -hmm. What's the market seeing in Borg Warner now mm -hmm. that you've got that nice bump up? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk about the stock, okay. as you understand. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I'm as a CEO, I'm focusing on what needs to be done in the company. I, I, I'm not looking at, uh, at the ups and downs on stock, which can be coming from many other constraints and influences factors than the company itself. So we're focusing to carry on the evolution of that company towards electrification. We're going to take more steps in the near future. Uh, and we're just, just going to focus on creating value for our customers. Uh, the reputation that we have in the market is absolutely awesome around the, around the globe, and, and, and focusing on, on on maximizing the shareholder returns. And you know, uh, might, you might not agree with me, but even as a CEO, I'm not looking at the stock like you know all the time. It go, it moves, and, and and it's okay. Is there anything you need to buy? Uh, any technology? Any market presence? There, there's a lot of strategic. Yeah. Uh, acquisition going on in the supplier community right now. Not a lot of major consolidation at the moment, although a lot of rumors that it, that, that it could as the market starts to weaken. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, what, what are you shopping for, generically speaking, with yeah. technology? So, overall, technology drives focus on M&A. And we're not waking up one morning or any morning saying, oh my God, we absolutely need that piece of, that, that, that product, right? In order to deliver our long-range plan, our backlog, and our goal of, of 14 billion by 2023 or in 2023, without M&A, we don't need to execute on product acquisition. Now, with that said, would we find great technology into a motor controller? We would certainly, and we are certainly looking at it. Would we find uh, scale in understanding the value chain of electrification and battery electric vehicle energy supply, we would look at that. Uh, we're not chasing market share, we're not chasing top line, we're not chasing customers, market share. It's all around technology. Uh, it's all around technology and this will govern all the decisions that we will make from an M&A standpoint. Conversely, what about spinning anything off? Are you looking at selling any given technologies or businesses yeah. you have? We also do that regularly. We actually sold a few weeks ago a business uh, in, in Europe, a small business that we thought would be better off uh, uh, being owned by, 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 by another per person or entity, right? We sold a thermostats uh, a piece of our business. And we look at that, like, again, we on that, you know, focused on having to divest. We don't have to. Uh, but this is something that we do on a regular basis. Actually, we have people whose sole jobs are, are looking at product portfolio strategy, and, and they come with good ideas, and, 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 and we're going to execute one way or another when, whenever, whenever we feel ready to do so. Again, all about technology, all about product leadership, all about preparing the, the, the future products that are going to make powertrains even more efficient than, than, than today. Would you buy, though, in the traditional powertrain areas? Are you more focused, when you say technology, I'm thinking you're focused on electrification, power electronics, motors. 
That's I'm not saying no, uh, but I told you the focus, the focus is on the motor controller and focuses on understanding battery electric vehicle systems. So, but if good assets on combustion would come with, why not? You know, there, we, we keep talking about the tipping point with electric cars and we've got so much focus on that, but you know, you've been talking about hybrids and the future looks very bright for hybrids. Yes. Uh, from very mild to, to full strong ones. Correct. My understanding is you've got one that you're really interested in, what they call a P2 hybrid. Yes. Very simple system, but also has a clutch so yes. that you can run in a little bit of electric mode. Right. Is that where you really see the growth coming? We, we, are, we are in a position where within hybrid propulsion architecture, we can offer whatever position the customer wants to put their hybridization in uh, so we can offer a, a P1, a P2, P3, P4. That stands for wherever you wherever you put your motor. We have we have a family of motor that can be put in different in different positions. P2 is an example where uh, we think that we're well positioned uh, because a, what's a P2? You have a motor. We, we do right. The motor controller we do. You have clutching devices. We've done that for quite some years. Forever. Uh, we do the hydraulic control modules and solenoids for this control, with mechanical elements too. So again, we feel that we can add value uh, and be competitive and smart in this field, but it's not the only field we play in. It's certainly a field that we feel comfortable, but we also feel comfortable in, in talking to all customers around the world and booking business in P2, but also in, in other in other positions. Mm -hmm. So you see <clears throat> hybrids really being a key strategy, not just maybe a, a longer interim step than maybe a lot of people believe. Mm -hmm. In the popular imagination, we're going mm -hmm. to jump straight to electric cars mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. You don't see that happening if you really believe in hybrids. You think that'll be a key way to meet regulatory requirements. That's what we think. For some time to go. That's what we think. Yes, absolutely. Actually, if you look at the latest uh, regulatory um, uh, laws that have been passed and voted in Europe, it calls for more and more hybrid powertrains. Uh, and, and I think that you're going to see different kinds of propulsion architectures that are going to live together for a long, long time. Uh, very efficient uh, gasoline turbo-based combustion engines, hybrid propulsion architectures, either 48 volts or higher voltage plug-in hybrids, battery electric vehicles, uh, depending on where those cars are in, on the planet and, and in, 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 the, in the city or in the countries, you're going to see a lot of variety of propulsion architecture. Where we are positioning the company is that we can talk about them all and support our customers around the world with whatever they want to do. We're not tainted to, to, when we talk to customers, we're not tainted to, oh my God, we have to sell this cup or we have nothing else to sell. Within propulsion, we have, we're one of the widest player. So we can sell this cup or many different types of cups in order to help the customers, you know, going to wherever they want to do. Customers are not going to answer regulatory obligations the same way either. So we have to be in the position to also accompany those customers meeting their strategies and implementing the product portfolio that they need. 
Are we starting to see that regulatory environment diverge? The, the world was kind of moving in the same direction for a while. Now you've got Europe still you know, more internal combustion focused than China, right? Because they're pushing hybrids that Chinese government clearly wants EVs. The U.S. government, well, we don't know. The Trump administration is sort of still kicking this around, but it does look like you're having to address three different markets, really, at this point, from a regulatory standpoint. Yeah. So in China, uh, it's battery electric vehicle and also plug-in hybrids. Uh, but you're right. Um, there are different regulatory markets, but this impacts more the car makers. As far as we're concerned, we're supporting the car makers who most of them are global players. And they have to have their product portfolio meeting all those demands around the world. But as far as we're concerned, they are also having global propulsion architectures. And it's not because the US is maybe not today moving as fast as other parts of the world. It's not a reason why our customers in the US do not have to move as fast as their peers around the world because they're competing on the same global market. Are the car makers taking most of the capital risk? In other words, if, if, if one of your customers thinks they're going to sell 200,000 of a given electric car mm -hmm. and you tool up for 200,000 mm -hmm. uh, systems for them, mm -hmm. who's, who's paying for the capital to tool that, that plant up? Is it them or is it you? So first of all, we would not put the capital up front right from the beginning. And two, uh, since we do transmission, motor, and power electronics together, if you talk about battery electric vehicle wheels, uh, if you go to uh, our plants in China, you will see very, very flexible manufacturing, where we would manufacture those electric drive uh, modules for many different customers on the same piece of capital equipment. So if one volume doesn't come, then we're not, we're not constrained by having put in place a dedicated capital. So we're trying to do what's smart, knowing that, uh, knowing that we have that volatility on volumes and that uncertainty, which leads to uh, us making some operational decisions that are more tailored towards flexibility than, than tailoring capital for a certain application. And with that, we're going to have to wrap this up. But Fred, thanks so much for coming on the Pleasure. show today. Thank you. David, always good to have you too. Thanks, John. And I want to thank all of you for having tuned in.